Amen. Right on. So week three of How to Wreck Your Life. I know you come to church to find out how to wreck your life, and we're going to take care of that for you today. Um, this week's topic uh, is an interesting one. This title of this week, week three, is Here's How You Wreck Your Life. How to Wreck Your Life is to live as if there is no devil. It's to live as if there is no devil. Uh, I think I'm going to put this out there in the very beginning. Uh, we are not a church, and I am not a person uh, that says... The devil's around every corner, and he's going to get you. You know, like I actually was on staff at that church in North Carolina for a couple years where literally everything we did was like, devil's going to get you. Like a lot of the times, it's not even really the devil. It's just like our own, our own dumb choices have stupid results, you know. But as much as we swing very, like it gets extreme on this end of like the devil's everywhere. He's always going to get you. And you can get really extreme in that. You can also get very loose in the sense of like, Oh, the devil, he's a symbol of evil, and he's not really a thing. And, we should, and you don't spend that much time thinking about the idea that the Scripture says there's powers and principalities. There's a spiritual realm that even right now is at war. And that it's trying, and we're going to look here in Scripture, the intentions of the darkness is to destroy you. Amen. And so for us, like, you have to pay attention. If Jesus in Scripture had interactions with a being called the devil then how many of you know we need to be prepared to uh, have things in place to be able to defend ourselves and resist the same work of the enemy? Amen. So I want to look at it. I, I don't want us in the ditch of like, oh, it's, it's just a symbol of evil. It's not a thing. No, it's a real thing. But I also don't want us to flip over here where like everything's the devil. Devil, devil. Amen. Uh, if I begin to describe to you a red guy with a pitchfork, horns, and an arrow tail, we would all comically say, oh, that's Satan or the devil, because we've watered down this idea of this great evil force known as Satan. Uh, we know that Satan's heart and his desire and his intent was so evil, and it was so destructive to heaven that God, who is love, said that thing has to be cast from me. And he created a place called hell, which is an eternal place for Satan. Are you understand what I'm saying? Satan is not something we patty cake. It's not something in his work and his ways. It's not something we get as close to the line as possible and kind of play along. No, it should be our intent like God should be. We need to get that as far from us as possible. And, and, and we just, we patty cake way too much. And it's part of what culture has done. You have a dirt devil vacuuming. Like we make all these things. Now, if we really understood the intent and the being, it's like I would almost tremble in, in, in a way of like how you hate to even use the word describing devil or Satan in his work. It's something we should resist so much. Now, not tremble in the sense that you're afraid of and it's got great power, but it's just, it's the disgust of his work and his way that it wouldn't be something cute to put on your vacuum. Do you understand what I'm saying? And again, this is not the ditch where I want you all to go home and get rid of dirt devils. I'm not that guy. But I'm just saying, like, culture has even made it. You see the cartoon where it's really got it flipped, where Bugs Bunny's trying to make a good decision, and the devil shows up over here, and he looks cooler, right? He's like the tough guy. He's like, and, and then the angel's on the other side, and that one looks real wimp, you know, like, oh, I don't know, and it's scared, and it doesn't know what to... You've seen that cartoon? No, any of you? No. No one grew up with cable here. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> But that's the total opposite of how it actually is in the kingdom. The scripture says from heaven, when you look down and you see the enemy, you're going to say, that jabroni, that thing, that little thing is what caused all this. And when you look in scripture of how an angel looks, how the, the, the forces of good, are you with me? 
Is that a thing, Star Wars people? The forces of good? I don't know. If you saw that, you would be like, oh, wow. Amen. And so cultures got it flipped, and, and, and there's some things we need to know about the existence and the trueness of evil and Satan. Satan has many names we know. Of course, Satan being one of them. Uh, devil is another one, uh, is a name uh, of Satan. Hobby Lobby is another name of Satan. <laughs> Lucifer. Lucifer is another name of Satan. Gluten-free is another name of Satan. El Diablo. Urban Meyer is another name of Satan. Urban Meyer is a, definitely another. LuLaRoe is probably another one that's Satan. Any guys in here, amen? You felt those evil forces? Me too. I mean, you've seen them. Oh, wow, they're, yeah. But, but playing aside, there's these names, and, and every culture even has a conversation or, or a knowledge of a being, Satan. The devil, and in scripture, of course, even talks about it. And so 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9, it says this. It says, be alert and of sober mind. You got to be alert. You got to be of sober mind. You can't let yourself be distracted or passive or act like things are not that big of a deal. It's like, no, you got to be, it's the head on a swivel. You got to be alert in this. And then it says this, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It doesn't say he's looking for somebody to mess with. It doesn't say he's looking for somebody to, to tease or to give a hard time. It's devour. His desire is to eliminate your life. His desire is to destroy your family. He doesn't keep score of like, well, they're a little bit of a church. For, they're a little bit good and a little bit this. And no, there's one intention. It's to seek and destroy you. He doesn't play fair. There is no grace with the devil. Do you understand? So his intention is to devour. Then the scripture says this, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It says resist him. It's one thing to know that he's a thing and understand that he's a thing. It's a whole nother step to put things in your life to be able to resist him. You have to have a plan to be able to resist the work of the enemy in your life. If all we're doing is patty caking and muddying the waters and, and stepping over the line and back. No, that's not how you resist. Amen. James chapter 4 verse 7 says this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Notice the first part we're really good at. That makes for a good bumper sticker. We like that part that says, oh, as a Christian, I'm submitted to God. I'm living his way. I'm following his thing. I'm on his Christian Jesus. We love that. But there's a second step to how we walk as Christians. And that's a people who are prepared to resist the work of the enemy. You understand? And what I'm trying to say is, is not only is he trying to devour your life and take you out, but part of the ways that we resist the work of the enemy is when you get the call that someone has cancer, you don't go, oh, bless your heart. You say, hold on a second. Isaiah says that by our stripes, his stripes, we can be healed. Let's resist this illness. Amen. And you pray it out. Okay. Okay. We'll stay on course here. Okay. Thanks. So resisting the devil, resisting the devil. I, I'm going to stay there for a minute. Resisting the devil. It's not this. We're so good at the Christian part, as you heard me say, but putting things in our place, in our lives to say, I will refuse to be devoured. I'm not going to let myself fall into the traps of the enemy who's seeking to devour me. We, we patty cake and we always fall into these tr traps and tricks because we're not aware. You're not alert. You're not sober minded of what he's trying to set you up in. Amen. Uh, 
we bought a travel trailer a couple years ago, and we're in a message board um, for the trailer brand, and they're always giving you advice and tips about like how to do things. And so someone will go on there and like, oh, I got this problem with this thing. And uh, the question is always, um, well, hey, please type. Will you please lay out uh, how your rig is specifically set up? Like, give us your, your, your rig specifications. You can tell this gets over my head. But tow load, max load, back load, under load, I don't know what it all is. But there's all these dimensions to it. And what the person is trying to get to is this idea of, hey, have you properly put things in place to be able to succeed on this adventure? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so it's not just, hey, God, Christianity, we want to go to heaven and we love God. Well, let's put the things in place to be able to make that happen. Like, have you put the specifications and measured everything and put the things that you need to resist? Is everything in place to make that happen? Amen. It's not enough just to come to church. I want to go to church. I want to be a Christian. We just go to church. You got to take what you hear at church and put it in place and use it to resist the enemy. Amen. All right. So the enemy hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take you out. And we have to be aware of this. One of the names of Satan is Hasatan, which is the accuser. Another one we know of the enemy is he's the deceiver of the brethren. He's trying to get you to believe a lie. He's trying to get you to believe something that may look like a truth, feel like a truth, but is a deception. I mean, we face that in culture. Amen. And so we have to be aware that he's out to take us out. A couple points I'm going to bring to you really practically. Uh, In this first one, we need to establish point number one is that Satan is a being. Satan is a being. 61% of Americans don't believe that Satan is real or that he's a real thing or that there is a devil. 61% don't believe that. Many of them sighed and say, well, I don't believe that he's a thing. Uh, I believe that he's a symbol of evil or he's a good idea that we should keep in mind as a representative of evil. But he's a real being. And there's still forces in play in our world. Amen. Matthew chapter eight or 4, verse 8. It says, again, the devil took him, speaking of Jesus, up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Verse 9, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. First of all, a symbol can't give you anything. So here you have an experience of Jesus and he's being tempted. He's in the desert and and he's saying, I'll give you a symbol can't give you anything. He was a being. Are you with me? Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, because he was there. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus wasn't talking to a symbol or an idea. It was a person in a place. Amen. And so we need to understand that that's the thing. Number two, what you believe about Satan doesn't change his existence. We are so good at tearing out pages of the Bible. Like, oh, I just, I don't believe this part. I don't, I don't, I want that, but I don't want this. And this isn't one of the places that you can do that. I don't like that idea of the devil and dark forces and spiritual atmospheres. I don't like that. So I'm just going to choose to not believe that. What you believe doesn't change reality. I'll say it like this. If you believe any part of the Bible, if you believe salvation, if you believe the cross, if you believe any part of the Bible, then that means you have to believe the part about hell and the devil and every part of the Bible. We don't get to pick and choose. Amen. And so if you believe any part of it, then that means that you should believe there is a devil. He is Satan and that we believe in his existence. Amen. I know you came here to hear this this morning, (laughs) but how to wreck your life is to ignore that you have a presence who's out to take you out. Point number three, uh, and this is where I'll settle for a little bit. Point number three, 
Satan will never reveal himself. He's never going to show up and give you his strategy and show you what he's actually trying to do in your life. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Again, he doesn't play by the rules. He's not looking to just rattle you. He's looking to take you out. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. They refer to the enemy or Satan here as a thief. A good thief never reveals his identity. Many of you have maybe heard me say this before, but he doesn't show up on your doorstep. A thief doesn't show up on your doorstep and go, hey, um, I'm Case in the neighborhood. Uh, I'm looking to rob this house. It looks like a nice house. Can you let me know the times that you're not going to be here? Can you let me know where you keep all your valuables? Can you leave your PIN number to your credit cards and your debit cards? Can, you know, what, what's the best time for me to come? Are you with me? A good thief doesn't reveal his work. So the same thing is true about the enemy and the devil. That thing that you continue to look at on the internet when you know that you shouldn't, the enemy's not going to show up in it and be like, hey, by the way, you keep doing this, it's going to kill your marriage. It's not going to just show, it's, it's after it happens that he's devoured and you've lost it all. When we continually, as Christians, go to places where we overdrink responsibly, that's the new one that I'm hearing in the Christian world. Oh, we're, we're going to these places and we're overdrinking responsibly because we're getting rides home and we're in, you're overdrinking. I'm like in my Bible, like I missed that. I thought he called us to not drunkenness, not responsible drunkenness. Now, obviously I'm not telling you, hey, throw out the responsible part if you do get drunk. I'm not saying that. And I'm not here to judge anybody who isn't struggling in that place. We're all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. It's, but I'm just saying we got to stop making excuses for how we're patty caking and playing with the enemy because he's looking to devour you in that area. There is no responsible drunkenness. It's a place that the enemy's going to trap you and destroy you. I thought about uh, in our lives the same thing with gossip. We, we, just, we just don't make it a big deal. We glorify all the other things. But if unity is our strength, if our love for one another is how the world is going to know we're his disciples, then how is it okay that we keep gossiping and backbiting and tearing it all each other down? Right, right. Are you with me? Yeah. Those are how we patty cake and play with the enemy. Right. We get into these relationships or these ideas or we start looking at stuff and flirting with people and giving time to people that we shouldn't. And we get in relationships and atmospheres where your heart has gone to another. Are you with me? And, and, and we just say, oh, but it's fine. No, the enemy is setting you up to devour you. He's never going to reveal, oh, keep doing this. Keep running your finances into the ground. Keep racking up debt. This is going to be how I'm going to devour you. He's never going to show up and tell you that, right? But those are the ways that he does it. A good thief never reveals his strategy. Amen. I'll close with this. A couple things in this that I want us to know. Point number four is this. You must be aware that the enemy is going to attack. You must live, like the scripture says, be sober-minded and alert, be on guard, be knowing that there's an enemy who's looking to take you out. Yeah. And, and, and a kind of a Christian fall that we end up falling into is this. You can wake up in the morning and pray. You can wake up and worship. You can wake up and study. You can do all of those things. But hours later, the enemy can attack you. Sometimes we just go, well, I prayed today, well, I worshiped today, well, I did my thing today, check. And then you just go live however you want. That's not, that's not how it works. Be sober, alert, be looking for what the enemy is trying to pull on you. We keep patty caking it. Amen. 
So you must be aware that the enemy is going to attack. You must be aware that the enemy is going to attack. Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941. 2,400 people killed, 1,100 people wounded, millions of dollars in battlecraft damage because we weren't aware that the enemy was going to attack. September 11, 2001. 2,900 people dead, 319 of them firefighters, 50 of them police officers. Precious people lost, opportunities in their life forever missed, dreams vanished, destinies to an end because we weren't aware of an attack that was gonna take place. Do you know that the same thing happens in our life? When we live our life unaware that the enemy has an idea and his idea is to devour you, you will see memories never come into existence. You'll see destiny never fulfilled because we're living in a way that we're just letting culture define however we want to live. Well, if they say it's okay and this magazine says it's okay and this says it's okay, I guess it's okay. What does the word of God say? The B-I-B-L-E, the only book for me, my judge, my juror, everything I need to know is here. Amen. Staying committed to this is what's going to keep us sober-minded and alert. Amen. I thought about this, a couple ways to, to, to guard our hearts in this and to, to help us live this way, resisting the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We need each other. We don't need to be fighting each other. It's not flesh and blood against each other. We need to be spending our energy on the forces of evil and the things that are happening in the spirit. It doesn't take too long to read a headline and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. There truly is evil. Not in people, evil gets in people. You understand what I'm saying? This isn't even arguable. There's evil in this world, amen? But here's one of the ways that we keep ourselves renewed and ready and prepared to resist the devil. Romans chapter 12, verse two. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word will in scripture simplifies desire, God's desire, someone's will. If I were to say to Brad, hey dude, this is my will. I'm telling them this is my desire for what happens after my life, right? So when God speaks of his will, it's, it's his desire for the way that we live. And so when you read it here, there's another translation that I like to read as well. It's called The Voice, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not allow this world to mold you in its own image. Because if you let the world mold you into an image, it's going to be an image that the enemy is going to devour. You want to be a perfect target? Let the world mold you into what it wants you to be and you're going to be devoured. And it says this, instead be transformed from the inside out by renewing your mind in God. As a result, you will be able to discern what is God's will and whatever God finds good, pleasing, and complete. This is the best one in the translation, the Passion, passion Translation. It says this, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of culture around you. Stop. Stop letting all of that define your opinions and your way of thinking. It says, but inwardly, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect 
in his eyes perfect in his eyes. We can do this. God has equipped us to be able to resist the enemy and live the way he's called us to. But we got to think on him, keep our focus on him, be renewed in him. Amen.